for today, we are wrapping up uh, Summer on the Mount in the next two weeks. We've been doing this since July and walking through um, Jesus' longest message. And this is where he was really kind of laying out uh, the, the basic foundational truths that he is teaching to his early, early followers. And, you know, as we preach this and kind of walk through this, that we've looked at different themes. And you haven't gone verse by verse, um, but we've tried to take the, the themes of where Jesus is in that portion of Scripture and why he is talking about that. And the way that I have been working through this is what I call proximity teachings, making sure that you look at what was he talking about before, because that feeds into what he is talking about you know, today, and then where does he go with the next piece. And today, actually, uh, I think, you know, it had called this, and I agree, this is one of the of scripture um, that Jesus ever teaches. And you can understand that if you take no context into uh, that rule whatsoever. If you just float into this scripture without really knowing uh, what he is talking about, then yeah, it is a, it is a scary piece of scripture. And actually, it's been abused uh, for a bit. And I wanted to dive into this because it's important to really understand where Jesus is going and why is he talking about this. So let's just hop into Matthew 7, verse 21. And it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those, but only one, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Let's just stop there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So all of us at this point should go, what? Right? Like, wait. That's... So if I claim that you are Lord, am I not sure? Am I... Should I be afraid? Should I um, not really know or fully comprehend? Am I going to be in, in heaven? And Wait, what? <laughs> you know, this kind of takes, takes it apart a little bit on um, how secure we are with our salvation. He says, you know, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And he goes on and says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and in your name perform any miracles? That seems like a lot. Um, I don't know how you're doing on this list this week. Um, uh, uh, how, so, like, how many of us this week, you know, prophesied in his name and drove out some demons, right? That's a, you kind of look at that and go, that's a pretty high bar. And then let's go to verse 23, and Jesus will, says, and then I will tell them, I never knew you. So they proclaimed Jesus as Lord, they prophesied the, his name, and they also drove out demons, and Jesus will say, I never knew you. 
That's a scary couple verses because I immediately then begin to measure my list. You know, of what I have caught. Like, wait, didn't I prophesy? Didn't I serve? Didn't I volunteer? Didn't I uh, preach? Didn't I teach Sunday school? All of us would kind of go, God, we've been working really hard on trying to, you know, to, to do the things. We, we prayed at night. Didn't we uh, try to teach our kids the Bible stories? Didn't we, you know, you can go through that list of stuff that we are trying to accomplish. And even if I have this whole big list, Jesus will say to me, yeah, I never knew you. That's a, that's a hard scripture to float into. So let's kind of back up a little bit, take a longer view of what he's trying to teach. Because you are correct, if you're only taking uh, these three verses, that's a tough pill to swallow. Now last weekend when we were outside, we talked about um, that your life, a godly life, produces good fruit. And an ungodly life will produce bad fruit. And you can really only see how godly you are based off of what type of fruit your life is producing. What kind of tree are you making? And out of that, you know, what's the soil look like? And, and it takes a while for it to show, but eventually that fruit will show if this is good or bad. So this is about kind of following in the, the will of God and will that produce a godly life. Okay, then he goes into this and says, but not everybody will say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say, I've done all of these things. Does that count? That's tough. Because here's what we need to do. Let's go back a few thousand years and try to understand the context of what he is teaching. Because in first century Israel, your faith was very action-based. Based off of what you could wear, based off of how often you prayed, based off of how well you kept the law, based off of whether or not you, were, you participated in the, the, the atonement, the, the sacrifice of the lamb, based off of you know, how uh, wealthy you were, how much you gave, uh, even to burial sites. If you were closer to the temple where your family was buried, that meant your family was a little bit holier than the guy behind you. And Jesus is, gonna, is looking at this saying, you can do all the things, but I still might not know you. So then our question ought to be then, how can I know him? Not immediately coming up with, well, get, just give me the list. I, I really need a good list. Who, who's a good list maker? Like, well, does it make you feel really good? Right? And like the first thing on your list is make a list. Right? So then you can check off. I got the first thing done. We love a list, especially in the, in the church, but the people of faith. God, if you just give me the list, I will do all of the things. And that was what Jesus was speaking to here. He's going to say to them, hey, you can do all the stuff, but I may not know you. That gets to a heart matter. 
a lot of times, let's kind of, it's hard to understand this a little. Let's bring it forward to a relationship. A lot of times if I, you know, am counseling or if there's trouble in a, in a marriage, often it goes to, well, you know what I have done? I have cooked the meals. I have taken the trash out. I have cleaned the house. I have done all of the things. And then the other person will say, yeah, but I don't know if you love me. But I've done the things. Yeah, but those things don't necessarily add up to care or compassion or adoration or honestly, time. So how do you know who Jesus is? Time. Because if we would treat other relationships or our spouse in the, in the manner that we treat Jesus, it would not be a very healthy relationship. If we would only call our wife when it was a crisis, and that was the only time, if we spent one hour a weekend hanging out with her, if you spent... Um, you would only call on the victories, oh, thank you, God, thank you, God, or in the pain. A knowing faith is uh, that relational, relationship faith needs to be the same on a random Tuesday than it is on the mountaintop. Because you are just in kind of constant relational companionship. Now, you get to celebrate the mountaintops, and you get to pray together in the, in the valleys. Those are important parts. But we only contact, you know, our, 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 our Savior when it's on those moments. Just imagine, like, if you had a friend, maybe you do, when you see their number, when it's not a text, when it's a call, and you just go, all right, what is it? Right? You know, oh, it's been about six months. You kind of get used to this. And God, in his amazing grace, will pick up that call. How many times do you just dismiss it and send it to voicemail and say, I'll handle that later? That's, that's the relationship that we're talking about. And so when Jesus is saying, yeah, I, I know you have done all of those things, but... I still don't know you. Why? Because I don't spend any time with you. I'm just here when you need picked up, and I will continue to pick you up because I love you and I care for you. And I'll continue to celebrate the victories, but man, I'd love to see you on a Tuesday. I'd love to spend time with you on a lunch hour. I want you to get to know me and my background. And so, again, we're going to continue. Let's go to, go to verse 23. And so we're, we looked at the front end. Your life should produce fruit. But now we're going to look at the, the back end on, on what this is. And he, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, if you float out of the scripture right here, you're going to miss the most important part. Because in verse 24, and we're going to leak a little bit into next week um, and then pull back some. But whenever you see a therefore in your Bible, your ears should perk up and you should highlight that. Because that means Matthew and, and Jesus are, are wanting you to remember, hey, that part that you just read, 
These are the consequences or these are the actions that you should do based off of I never knew you. Therefore, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice. So so all of what I just taught you, therefore, put them into practice. Because then you will be building your house on rock. You will be building your house on a solid foundation. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. This is foundational stuff. If you hear all of these words and put this into practice, this is foundation-worthy faith material. I'm going to skip to the end of this because this is what's really important. And again, if, remember when you used to write letters, used to write papers in school or things like that, the introduction's really important, then you had the body, but the conclusion is what you really want people to remember. So Jesus is getting ready to conclude his message here, and Matthew puts this in at the very last verse of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's go to verse 29. He taught as one who had authority. It'll pop up. There it is. And not as their teachers of the law. What does that even mean? We can kind of blast through this and not really understand what this, what this means, but before Jesus, every other rabbi or teacher of the law would refer to the person that taught them. And if you were in a very good line of good teaching, and sometimes they would refer to Rabbi Gamaliel or Rabbi Hillel or Rabbi, you know, hey, don't trust me, I was taught by this person. And I was learned from him. Uh, it would be the same way of, hey, I went to Stanford. Trust, okay? So you're, you're putting stock in, you're trusting the professors at that college. Or, I studied under this, this doctor. I studied under this person. So if you don't trust me, that's okay. Jesus never once mentioned who he was, he was taught from. This was all him. This was from his authority. And they were stunned, like, whoa. This is from you? This is from your... And he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law, because their teachers of the law would constantly defer upwards. They say, hey, don't, hey, don't, this, I learned this from this guy. Jesus was owning all of it. Now, <laughs> this is what's fun, and this is what gets Jesus into trouble, because if you don't spend time in this and really getting to know what Jesus is doing, this is what gets him into trouble. So let's go back to Matthew 7, verse 21. I want you to follow this. We're at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He has not been, he just picked up the disciples along the way in Matthew 5, 4 and 5. And now he's beginning to teach. People are starting to notice he's different. He's doing some healings. This is a different teacher. They're wondering, like, where is he getting this authority from? Again, this is where Jesus is going to get into trouble because I want you to follow this because you probably missed it on the front side. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. 
That is a huge statement. That is Jesus owning the end. That is Jesus owning um, final judgment. Many will say, to, let's go to the next verse, many will say to me on that day. What day? Judgment day. Lord, Lord, we did all of these things. And in verse 23, he says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Every Pharisee, every other first century Jew in this crowd would have heard this and would have gone, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) What do you have to do? That's why he's teaching with authority. And this is what will get him into trouble. Because he is owning. Now they don't, Luke isn't, or no, sorry, uh, Peter is in Luke, is not going to declare that Jesus is the Messiah just yet. He has to travel with them for a little while. But they're starting to notice that this is a different type of teacher. This is a different type of rabbi. He is owning authority. He's not deferring up. And so after this portion of scripture, Jesus is going to go touch a man and heal a man with leprosy, which would immediately have made every other rabbi and every other first century uh, Jewish person unclean. Doesn't matter. He's going to heal that man. He's going to go and t- discuss the faith of a Roman centurion and compare it to the faithful people in the synagogue. He's going to heal all kinds of, of people all around. Then he's going to go calm the storm. He's going to speak over weather. And it begins in this simple statement of when we get to the end, I need to know that we know each other. So how do you do that? That's the root of this. That's why this isn't scary. Um, because what we have turned this to, uh, go to verse 21 and just leave it there for, for the rest. Um, we have turned the scripture into, well, are you sure? Because if you don't say the right prayer, if you don't, say the right words, if you don't do it at the right time, or hey, what happens if you prayed this morning and you asked for forgiveness and then you messed up along the way and then you get hit by a bus at three o'clock in the afternoon? What, if, what happens if there's a gap there? Are you really sure you're saved? Because you didn't do all of the right things. And so we've turned this into, sure, you you know, say this prayer in this way and in this manner. Make sure you say it this many times. Make sure you say it in this many, you know, in this language. Make sure that you're faced the right direction. Make sure that you are wearing the right clothing. Make sure you are wearing, you know, we can really, we love a list. And God, if I can just accomplish the list, then I don't need to get my heart involved in this at all. I just need to know that I got the list done. And that heart thing is a much difficult thing to quantify. So what do religious leaders do? We just say, hey, we're not really sure on the heart stuff. That gets a little emotional, and we want to give you something to work off of. So here's a certain number of prayers that you need to say. Uh, here's what you can eat during this season. Uh, here's where, you know, and we worked out a bit of something on the other side. You, just try to do your best with this list. And Jesus will say, cool list, I never knew you. 
Well, that's hard. How, how do I know? Time. And I wish it was easier. How do you have a strong relationship? Time. How do you um, build a muscle? Time. How do you work up to a marathon? Time. How do you make sure you know, that your relationship is strong and healthy and, and there's a give and take at time? So as an example, this week, how do I put this? Does Jesus have custody or just visitation? You know what I mean? Let's kind of put it that way. Are you his kid? Or do you just see each other on the weekends? And that's a hard thing to understand because it's hard to build a relationship one hour at a time. How much time this... uh, I should... Guilty? Okay? Did you spend doom scrolling on your phone versus prayer. Ouch, right? Okay? Now imagine, um, man, let's, you don't even have to go back that far. Um, I had to explain to one of my kids this week um, what happened when you would call somebody and they weren't home. Right? Because now we have immediate access to absolutely everything at any one point. And I said, you would call back or you would leave a message. And when the person that they were there would have a note, say, call this person. You don't have to go that far back to think of how many more things are in our life right now that will consume time. And time is the most valuable asset that you have. And culture will not help you give more time to Jesus. You have to actively fight for it and push for it because I want you, when we get to that day, Jesus said, hey, hey, I know you. Come on in. Well done, good and faithful servant. You did the things. Because where this is flipped, and this is what Jesus flips in his ministry, is it used to be your actions determined your faith. If you did all of the things that showed how strong of a faith you have. And Jesus is coming in saying, no, 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 no. Actually, if you believe in me, that will result in different actions. And out of your actions, the good fruit, you can see how strong of a faith you have. Not the other way around. You can see how healthy it is and how good it is. And there's going to be a lot of people who will say, Lord, I did all of the things, but I never knew you. So that means we need to spend our time, which is very valuable, on dedicating it to knowing and that's through biblical study, that's through prayer, that's through community, that is through worship, that is through all the things that we want to try to accomplish. And it's not to do those things, it's to get to know who God is. And out of that will we produce 
a faithful life. So this scripture isn't as scary as we can make it. Because what, but it should be a little bit convicting. And that's okay. Good scripture and biblical study should be sometimes a mirror. You're reading it and you're going, ugh. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do and try to be a more faithful disciple. It all is resting off of the authority that Jesus has for us. So, as the team comes up, let me pray for you. Lord, you didn't reference any other teacher because you were the authority. And Lord, may you be the authority in our life. May we take seriously the task of following you. Not just through being busy. Busyness is not holiness. But Lord, may we choose to spend our asset of time in a more biblical manner. In a time of relationship, of adoration, of prayer, of focused attention, of not just calling uh, in the valleys or in the, on the mountaintops, but on those random Tuesdays. And so, Lord, as we gather here today, may this scripture be convicting but not scary. May it be a mirror back into our lives of, okay, I need to reorient a bit on where I am spending my time because I want to know you better. And out of knowing comes action and fruit. So, Lord, we ask you to be with us and amongst us, for it is in your name that we pray. Amen.